This is Daniel Blair. Let's take you down to the Moto X Pod podium. What's going on? So do you do uh, like interviews all day long with everybody? Uh, well, no, because I have a real job, so most of the time I can't. But they've got us on like an every other day schedule. Um, which started at the end of last week. So I figured I'd try to get some stuff in on my days off and get a little extra content out there. Awesome. Awesome. But, uh, yeah. Sounds so good. How's, uh, how's the world treating you right now out there in Vegas? Staying safe? And you know what? Actually, it's pretty good. I, um, all things considered, I, uh, people through this time around here just want to, you know, they can't go to bars, they can't go to movies, they can't go bowling, they can't do anything. So they, if they have motorcycles, they want to go ride, and a lot of them need stuff worked on, you know? There you go. Yeah, so you're staying busy. Are, are you getting any more riding in since uh, being on Pope a couple weeks ago? No, I haven't ridden at all wow. since I started that stupid job at Cirque, you know. I yeah. um, Like Steve even invited me to go out. I think they're going to go out there riding today if he was going to go out there. But um, And then he's going to do a private day on Monday or something. So I might go out there. I don't know. It's, it's just a matter of me getting my bike and all my stuff together just because, <clears throat> dude, sometimes it's hard when you work on bikes all day and working on bikes. The last thing you do want to do is work on yours to get ready, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've, a lot of the mechanics uh, that I've talked to have said that. So I get that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of working on bikes anyway. And, you know, I, I texted you, what, last week about stuff, issues with my bike, so I've already been working on it enough. So I get it, man. If I were you, I wouldn't want to do that either. Yeah. So <laughs> if I get my ass out there, I love it. I'm totally loving life. You know, yeah. It's just a matter of getting my ass out there. <clears throat> well, I understand. Yeah, you, you missed out on a big day at Western uh, about, I guess, a few days ago, a week ago or so, with Kiefer and A-Ray and, and Steve. <clears throat> yeah, I did Steve, I, I, I know they talked about it on the show a few weeks ago when we're, I was on the show, <clears throat> but um, <clears throat> I didn't know the time and date or whatever. I might have went out there and just watched these clowns go at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the the YouTube video looked like it was fun, but uh, I, you know, anytime you get to hang out with those guys, I'm sure it's a good time. They have a YouTube video? Yeah, it's up. Um, it's on Pulpamex's it YouTube channel. It's uh, yeah, the uh, the challenge is up. They have the results. I won't spoil it for you, but um, so the end the end result or the the, the idea was that Kiefer had to stay within two seconds of a race lap time, his best lap, and Steve had to stay within twelve seconds of Kiefer's lap time. So I'm not going to ruin it for you. You got to watch the video, but yeah, it's up and it's pretty entertaining. I'll check it out. Hey, so explain to me. Your your deal with pulp and what, this 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 one thing that are giving you grief about the other week. <laughs> um, well, I, I think you're talking about the wrap up show, right? So um, yeah. So what's the wrap up show? How did you get involved with that? And stuff? Um, back last year, and I don't even remember when it was. It was after nationals, I believe. Steve texted me and said, "Hey, would you be interested in doing a wrap up show?" Um, basically he got the idea from the Howard Stern show. Every day after Howard's done, there's a wrap up show where his uh, producer and a couple other guys that are part of the Howard Stern show basically have guests on and they just do a quick wrap up. Like, Hey, today's guest was, you know, Brad Pitt. And they just kind of talk about the show, some highlights, what the fans responses are, whatever, you know, stuff like that. And he, he hit me, he hit me up about doing that with his Monday show. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, so I've been doing that now for, I don't even know, five months, six months, something like that. And, um, 
it's fun, but you know how people are. You, you get a lot of hate, and the haters are louder than the people that like it. Yeah, of course. You're going you're gonna to get in anything you do, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Steve's, Steve's pretty – you know Steve. He just busts my balls constantly. So very rarely, <laughs> very rarely does he say anything positive. Um, but I guess we, the night you were in studio, he actually said, hey, last week's show was pretty good. But – and then he got on to me for – the uh, I was I was texting Pookie the answers to the the tits versus tits segment, which I guess in the end, you know, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, it's kind of crappy. But Berluti, my reasoning was um, Pookie's never won other than the first time they did it years ago, and she always seems to feel like crap. So I was like, well, it'd be kind of funny to me if she knew all the answers all of a sudden. So <laughs> I started sending her the answers, but she didn't even have her phone in front of her to see it. So. Anyway, it got me in a little bit of heat with Steve, but it's all good. <laughs> no, I remember on that show, he was fucking busting your ass. And I go, dude, now you, you've embarrassed him enough. I think that's enough punishment. I, so what was the what, what ended up being the punishment? Well, nothing, because uh, COVID-19 hit pretty hard, and everything got forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, there was never really any punishment other than the typical him just giving me a lot of shit. So that's that's just what Steve does. Uh, I know. He's good at it. Yes, sure. he is. Yeah, he- you got to give it back. I mean, he tries to do it with JT sometimes, and, you know, JT can shut him down. I mean, because JT's pretty – he's put together pretty well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I give Steve shit back sometimes, but honestly, most of the time, when he – you know, he gives me a lot of shit about the wrap-up show. And, you know, Berluti, his main argument or problem with the wrap-up show is originally he's like, hey, get a couple, you know, listeners or a couple people. It has to be somebody that listens to the show every week and and have them on so i reached out to just fans on twitter said you know send me your info and if you want to do it you can do it well it's very hard to discuss something like the show i give this example um before supercross started this year steve said that adam c and cirillo would not win a main event um this year and daniel blair said well i think he'll win three so when we discuss that topic yeah that's what daniel said um but when we discuss this topic on the wrap-up show, you know, the, the other guests are going to be like, well, I agree or I don't agree, and this is why. So as soon as they start giving their opinions, Steve tells me, nobody cares about their opinions because nobody knows who they are, these, these guests I have, if they're not quote-unquote industry. Well, it's kind of hard to do a show if they're not allowed to give their opinion of what they think. But Steve only wants their response to what happened on the show, basically. Um, so it's, it's been trying to find that fine line and it's, you know, it's just not easy. Once you start talking about a topic, people generally go into their own opinions. Um, but that's been his biggest gripe and I've been trying to figure that out to, to make Steve happy. Right on. Well, you know, you'll get it because he's, I mean, I, cause I, I, you got, you've got a pretty, seem like a pretty laid back, good personality that way. And Steve will bust your ass until, like you said, until you get it dialed in and then he sees good good reviews or whatever. So yeah. it happens at the end of the show kind of real quick for what, for 10, 20 minutes or something. No, it's so I recorded on Wednesdays. Um, that gives everybody a chance to listen to the show, whoever. I'm okay. Ha- and then it's about, it started out at right about an hour and I've cut it back to about 45 minutes. Um, what, what I did originally was like, I was almost going like segment by segment, uh, you know, each guest and we'd cover everything and it got to be a little, it was a little too much. So I cut it back to where, what I do now is I have my guests give me their top five moments of each show, and we go over the highlights of those, uh, kind of rapid fire, and 
And then I, I he puts it up on his uh, channel usually Wednesday night or Thursday. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I, I've been doing this segment that I add on to the end uh, called Hello Pookie, where people can email me their questions of anything they want to ask Pookie, and she answers them for them. So we do that once a month, too. Okay. Yeah. So it's good for the, our show. You know, it, it gives me a little bit more exposure, and um, it's just getting getting everything out there, you know, and Steve's paying me a little extra money to do it. So it's hard to hard to beat, really. Right on. Well, good for you. That's good. I was I was wondering how that all transpired. Yeah. That's that's interesting. You know, I mean, because you know, I don't know. The industry's pretty tiny and 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 knit, you know, close knit. You know, yes. so I was just curious. So that's awesome, dude. I'm glad. I'm glad you're able to get your foot in the door there. I mean, but you know, you were already you already had your thing going there. You know, in uh, your Texas thing. Yeah, how's that going? It's going good. Our show's doing well. I mean, it's. It's somewhat plateaued where we're, you know, between 3,500 and 4,000 downloads a week, which is not great compared to some of the other shows, but it's still there and it's getting us uh, credentials to go to the races when they, when they're still going on and we're, we're loving it. You know, we got some sponsor money coming in, so it's all good, Berluti. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. We've been having fun with it. Um, Well, let's get into this episode of the podium, man. So I reached out to you. Um, and I wanted to get your top three favorite moto rivalries. Um, you know, there's all, obviously there's the big ones, Ricky Johnson, Jeff Ward, Ricky Johnson, David Bailey, Jeremy McGrath, Emig. Uh, there's a lot of them throughout history. I'd like to know what your top three is and we'll start with your, uh, number three, if you don't mind. Well, um, sure. Yeah, that'll work. I mean, my, I'm going to, I thought that it was going to be like what you're talking about. So I, I figure I, I go into something a little bit different and something okay. that's close to my heart, you know? Yeah. Like, what, let's do what you want. Whatever's best for you. Okay. So just, just start rambling. On yeah, right man. Now. Yeah. Go in, get into it. Let's do it. Okay. Well, yeah. So, so back in 94, 95, when I worked with Huffman, there was a rivalry of Huffman and Hughes that was pretty intense. You know, um, Mitch Payton was very intense and was wanting to win um, badly at that time. Um, earlier, he had won a couple championships, but was struggling to win more, you know, and Mitch is as intense as they get, you know. So yeah. he threw what he thought was the best guy out there, you know, to try to compete against Huffman, and that was uh, Hughes. And, um, you know, weekly, those guys would you know, battling, you know, pretty much Huffman would get away at the end, you know, but there was races that got pretty heated, you know, where Hughes was pretty aggressive. So he was, <laughs> you know, and, and Damon, Damon was more, you know, technical rider and Hughes was just more of a, you know, a, a, a fighter kind of guy, you know, so, so it got intense that way. So, and it, it carried on from, from 94 to 95. So that for the two years, I mean, I remember Damon, was getting so bummed and pissed off about Hughes and, and Damon was really quiet and he was pissed off about how Hughes was riding on the track, you know, and being really aggressive and stuff. And Damon was just trying to go out there and win races. Right. And, uh, he had won quite a few, I think in 95, I think he won everything except for the last race, if I'm not mistaken. So he went on a tear, but, um, but in the interim, Hughes and him kind of got into it. So one day Damon says, I'm going to go over to to Mitch's rig and, and I'm going to go in there and call Hughes out. And I'm like, 
you know, he's such a quiet guy. I'm like, there's no way you're going to do that. You know, I didn't think he was. And I'll be damned if that guy didn't go over there and he freaking confronted Hughes. <laughs> How'd that go? How, what was Ryan's uh, response? Cause yeah, that surprises me coming from Damon. Well, um, to be honest, I was in my pit working on the bike, so I didn't actually go over there with him. But when he came back, he told me, and he, he just said that he was just, he, he's been, he's in, I think, uh, Mitch was sitting there and Damon was just telling him, I don't really like the way, you, you know, this is going down. I don't like the way you're riding, you know? So yeah. they, I, how I understand, I don't think it got too heated where there's, you know, punches thrown or anything like that. Right. But, um, so I don't know the exact verbiage, what went down, you know, but, um, it, it, it was pretty interesting when Damon came back and told me, he had gone, cause I thought, I, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, there's no way he's going to go over there. But sure enough, he went over there and confronted him. And as hard as he, as hard as Hughes tried, he just could not get, he couldn't beat Damon, you know? So it was, it was, it was a, it was a good battle. Good rivalry. Very Absolutely. Good rivalry. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. A good, a good time in the Moto's history. Those mid nineties, man, were, were exciting. Yeah. Because you had McGrath. Well, he was kind of become, he was dominant pretty much. I'd that, say in, in the, and Supercross, you know, right. and then for or the 250 class, but um, while he was dominating that in in the West Coast, pretty much Huffy was dominating the the 125 West Coast, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, I remember that. That yeah, that's that's really the early years. Like I tell people, I kind of really got into it big, probably 91, 92, 93 were the years where I really got into the sport. I came into it a little late. Um, so yeah, I remember those. I remember going to Dallas Supercross and seeing in seeing McGrath in those days and watching, you know, watching ESPN or whatever, like two weeks later for the races to come on. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you obviously were that your, um, influence back at that time. If you just got into it. So I'm sure you do remember those races. Oh right? yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. They were good battles, man. I, I wish, I wish there was some way to go back to that time, like with the two strokes and, just man, I, I like that racing. I think that racing was a little more exciting, to be honest. It was really good, you know. And then, and then my other rivalry would be would have to be the year I think it was uh, '06 with Reed Stewart Carmichael. You know that thing went down to what you know any any one of those guys could have won it at the end there. You know, I was kind of in the back seat. Uh, I was working on Tedesco stuff, so Tedesco got fourth that, that year in the championship. So I was kind of watching from the catbird seat, but it was pretty intense, you know, listening to the Carmichael clan. I mean, because obviously I didn't know anything what they're saying over there at Stewart or Reed's camp, but um, it was it was pretty intense. Goose and, and and Carmichael trying to you know devise a way to pull this off, you know, and in yeah. the, the they they pulled it off, but it was it was pretty intense, you know. Well, let me ask you then. So behind the scenes, you know, being in the industry at that time you know, period, back then, obviously, I was just a fan. Um, I was a Stewart guy. You know, RC was known for being extremely um, a, a workhorse, right? And he'd be pretty angry with himself, hard on himself. Jeannie was hard on him. Uh, and then Reed, you know, was kind of cocky, a little cocky. Uh, and Stewart, and Stewart was... I mean, he was Stewart, right? I mean, he he just was the guy that thought he was the fastest man on earth. He got the that name tag. What was it like being there? I mean, was did you see those type of personalities behind the scenes that we saw on TV, or was there was there more to it, more depth to the 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 personalities and the rivalries? 
Well, like I said, for the most part, I can I can tell you on on Ricky's side. Um, I know Ricky. You know, he was intense. It didn't matter who he was racing; he was going out to win. But it seemed like because they were both from Florida, him, uh, Stewart and, and Carmichael, they kind of I don't want to say band together by no means, but those two were really going at it. And Reed was right there doing his stuff. And I I I will remember the last race. After those guys won over the finish line, Reed, I mean, uh, Stewart and Carmichael kind of celebrated over one of the, you know, jumps. They, yeah. they celebrated, and you, you watch just Reed kind of ride by in, in complete disgust. You know, he was just, he was like the third man, he was like the odd man out of that whole deal, you know. But, um, it, but as, as far as, if you heard some of the stuff that Ricky said, his intensity towards, either one of those guys was pretty gnarly. And then between him and Gooch, you know, and then when we're building the bikes together, you know, in the truck and, you know, Goose and I just talking about Reedy and Stewart, it was, it was intense. I, I can't really come up with an exact story, but, mm-hmm. and I don't know the personalities of, uh, of Reedy and Stewart exactly. But like you said, Reed was, Reed was, Cock, not cocky, but very confident, and you know he. I think Reed felt that he was on, you know, lesser equipment and stuff, and he was dabbling with those guys pretty well with what he had, you know, because yeah. I believe that was the first year everybody was on four strokes. Right, right. Um, does it surprise you now to see, you know, Reed and RC kind of the, they'll buddy up at times at Supercross, or uh, you know, Stewart's done these review shows for some of the Supercrosses and. Uh, Reed and him have kind of, I guess Reed has reached out to Stewart a couple of times. They've texted. Does that, and even, I, they met at, I guess at, uh, Tampa. I think they hung, hung out for a minute at Tampa Supercross. <laughs> so does that surprise you that, or is it, you know, just with age comes a little bit of calming down? Yeah, I would guess when there isn't that ri- rivalry at the time and, and, and it's all settled, it's 10 years or whatever later. That yeah, it's it's probably good maybe just to see one of your gnarly competitors that yeah. you're battling with, and and you know you could put all that behind you. I, I would think, you know, I so, I, I would think so. It's hard to live with that kind of uh, you know aggression and like animosity or whatever between to a competitor for your whole life. Like at some point you got to go, man. We did something really special. We were all trying to win, and you know now we're not. It's not. We don't have to be competitive anymore. Let's let's look at the times we had, which were special to us and the fans, and just enjoy it now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I think the Reed the Reed Stewart thing came from way back when Reed first came over, and and Stewart did the deal at Unadilla where he kind of um, let him go, waited up. <laughs> yeah, they they went back and forth. So I think that that really hit Reed hard and, and, and rightfully so. I think that was kind of a bad move, you know, on Stewart's part or whatever when, when that when that transpired. Stewart was by far, you know, he was for sure the fastest guy that day and he was just playing cat and mouse with Reed. He was just treating him like a little mouse, you know. Yeah, and yeah. So but, from there on I think Reed held that close to his, his vest and even to this day, I mean they might have, like you said, at Tampa kinda, of, you know, try to bury the hatchet so to speak and kinda of hang out a little bit, but it's it's still probably burns burns deep. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure, I can see that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's yeah. two two uh, really fantastic rivalries. Do you have one more to to top off the podium? 
What's up, guys? This is the Seven Juice Trade out of Intercom. I'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020, they are the proud sponsors of Red Bull, Factory KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you got to do is go to AturbeastUSA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Motorized Pajo sent you. Well, the only, the only one that was pretty much everybody, and this is going way back, and a lot of people won't remember it, I mean, and I don't know if you like listening to old stuff, but it's Hannah, when Hannah was going against everybody, Hannah was so outspoken that just everybody wanted to, to beat him so bad, yeah. you know, but Hannah was so strong and tough that um, pretty much everybody was a rival to Hannah. They are, well, they wanted to be anyway, but Hannah, for the few years there, he just owned those guys. He played with them like, you know, <laughs> you know, like what Stewart could do with uh, everybody on that, that one year that he won every Moto Outdoor Nationals, you know, I mean, you know, Hannah was just, just, he was relentless, you know. you could you, It didn't matter what was going to happen. He was going to find his way to the front, you know. Yeah, and like you said, on top of that, he he uh, he would talk the talk. You know, uh, he, he was not afraid to tell everybody he was the best and get inside your head a little bit, you know, play some mental games. Yeah, exactly. You know, whether it be Howerton or whether it be, you know, even the newer guys when, when he was still – able to beat those guys but like you know Howerton and even Weiner when Weiner was older and Hannah was kind of in that thing I mean you could those guys played games a lot you know and, and I was there at a lot not a lot but I was there at quite a few races because my brother was you know trying to race the Nationals and stuff and, and Supercrosses and so I would be there you know so you could definitely see how Hannah's interaction was and then I had a little bit of some uh, experience with Bob because his, his sister and mom lived in Carson City, so Bob would come to Carson City where I used to live outside of Reno, you know, okay. and uh, so you would, you could just tell Hannah's, you know, personality, he was just that guy that was just gnarly, you right. know, he was crazy, so, yeah. It's good though, man, yeah. I mean, we we need those characters, you know, uh, it's just good to have personalities to, to draw in the fans, whether it be a guy like Adam Cianciarillo now, who is the nice guy, but super fast and funny, or, you know, uh, just Eli, who's kind of to himself and quiet, uh, you know, Weston Pike when he was around, the the brawler, you know, it's it's good to have those personalities, and um, her, the Hurricane, man, he, uh, he was definitely one of the great personalities of our sport. Yeah, for sure. The, the, the thing that bums me out a little bit is, you know, it's become more like golf or tennis motocross or supercross has. I mean, with the AMA just jumping on everything and anything yeah. these guys do. Where, where if, if, if Hannah got on the podium and said, you know, if that guy does that again, if that stinking guy does that again, I'll break his leg. You know, I mean, he'd, he'd get banned or something, yeah, you know? Yeah. Now, I mean, if, they, if, if you said something like that now, you, yeah, you're, so you're absolutely right. They've kind of taken, you know, the guy with the black hat out of the equation in, in our supercross, you know, so to speak, you know, I, which I, like you said, you got to have that character. You got to have that guy. I mean, 
and people love it. Let's face it, the fans, that's what they love, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I've been asking some of the guys that I've had on the show in the last few weeks if they watched the F1 documentary that's on Netflix, Berluti. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it covers 2018 and 2019 seasons. And I'm not a big F1 guy, but I want to watch it. Uh, and those guys, you know, when they go to the press conference, they say what they want to say. If they have a problem with the car, they tell the, the press, they tell the people how they actually feel. If they have a problem with another driver, I mean, on one of the press conferences, one of the drivers called another driver a pussy. And you, you couldn't get away with that in Supercross without, well, I guess you could, but it just, they don't, you know, and I think the teams kind of shut that stuff down. Just people being themselves, having honest reactions, which is in turn, we get these cookie cutter interviews, you know, we get the cookie cutter podium speeches and there's just, oh yeah, everything is great. Here's my sponsor reads. That's it. You know, and it kind of, it's kind of a disappointment sometimes. It is a disappointment. That's exactly what I mean. That's what we're talking about. Exactly what you're saying. You yeah. know, I just, it used to be funner that way back in the Hannah days, back in the, you know, late seventies, early eighties. It, it really was. It was kind of neat that way. And like I said, they've turned it into, you know, um, golf or, or, or tennis, like yeah. I said, which I, I get it. You know, it's their AMA's job is to keep everybody safe. And I want everybody to be safe. But at the same time, let these guys, let these guys, you know, speak, let them, let them, do their thing. Don't go to the truck after they you did a press conference or, or, or on the, on the podium and they said something that you didn't think was right. And you go over there and then, you know, you ridicule them or whatever, you know, browbeat them, whatever. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think most fans would agree. Uh, unfortunately it is what it is and it probably won't change, but <laughs> you know, it just, as, as more money gets involved and sponsors and all that, you know, they, they want a corporate, response i guess and it's 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 disappointing but um you know that's why we i guess listen to hopefully our show and the pulp show and can get a little more realism out of some of these guys and get get to know them a little bit better yeah like you mentioned adam you know he's he's a he's a great personality he doesn't he he's great he's, he's kind of like a hannah in a way but yet he doesn't he's very he keeps it he keeps it uh i don't know real i guess yeah well he keeps it uh, g-rated yeah he, yeah yeah he says funny stuff to make it to, to kind of give you that thing and stuff you know what you're looking for so i wish there would be more of him like you said you know but that's that's just his personality he's a he's a, he's a great interview right oh fantastic one of the best yeah for sure yeah yeah sure there's a Kind of like Travis was too, but Travis really would never say a bad thing about anybody. But Travis was a funny interview too. He yeah, was good, you know? yeah, yeah. Because you could see with when Travis would be interviewed, you could see how much he loved doing what he did, how much he respected his his competition, and he. The, I like the way Travis would be like if somebody just flat out beat him, he'd be like, "Oh my god, he was so fast!" You know, he was just so much better than me, and and you would. Oh, I don't think you'd hear that today. You don't. You're not. Nah. Gonna, you know, if somebody if if I'm on the podium and somebody blew my doors off, I'd probably be like, I don't know what the hell to do. That was awesome, you know. And you're just you're just not going to hear that anymore. I, I think other than maybe like an Adam Cianciarillo, you know, he he's been pretty honest with guys like Kenny and Eli being with how good they are, and he'll he'll say some stuff. But very few of the other guys are going to say that. No, exactly. I mean. Like we're just talking about, I would love to see it get a little bit more, like you said, like it used to be, kind of back in the old days. Yeah, you know? 
not completely wild, wild west, but also not, <laughs> also not what we're dealing with. Like find a happy medium. Yeah. I, I'm down Berluti. But at this point, honestly, I would just like to get back to racing period. I don't care what we get. And I'm so bummed, dude. I, I mean, it sucks. I yep. mean, I, if anything, you know, I mean, even not, not, not just any sports, but I just love moto so much. You know, I've been, you know, it's been my life so much that that's, that's been my biggest blow with all this freaking BS going on for sure. Totally agree. Yeah. It's, it's, it's disappointing. There's bigger things in life to worry about and things going on, but that release that we have of our, our favorite sport being gone is it's, 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 it's important to us. So it matters, you know, I mean, I'm look I'm getting to go ride tomorrow, I think if it doesn't rain. So at least I'll get to release that a little bit. There you go. Yeah. We need, you know, our normal day life and our normal jobs and stuff. You need, you need that release of entertainment and, yeah. and our entertainment is moto, you know? Absolutely. For well, sure. Ber- Berluti, I'm going to wrap this thing up, man. I uh, appreciate you taking some time today. And, um, man, I hope you get back in the studio with Steve soon. Uh, you need to hit him up and get back in there. Yeah, I will. I'll grind on him about you, too, a little bit. I, I-, I worked on him that one night, so I'll work on him some more. <laughs> I appreciate he's it. He's up on <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's probably not going to. But, yeah, hit him up because uh, I actually texted him yesterday in preparation for next week's wrap-up show. I always try to find out who the guest is in studio. Because uh-huh. sometimes I'll try to get that person on the wrap-up show. And he told me uh, Villaman was supposed to be coming in studio this coming Monday, but he doesn't think David really wants to now. So maybe hit him up. Maybe you could cover for David. Oh, yeah. Well, I just, you know, when he calls me in, he calls me in. It's not okay. a big deal. He knows I'm local and he can depend on me. Like, yeah. You're exactly right. If, if David doesn't come in, he'll call me last minute and know Berlut will come to the <laughs> <laughs> well, if he does, tell him, no, man, I'm, I'm tied up. I'm doing Dark Side Show. Right on, Dark Side. <laughs> All right, Berluti, thank you, buddy. Always great hey, talking to you. You too. Good talking to you. All right. All right have a good one.